Well, there were there were 464 Medal of Honors um, awarded in World War II, and there were over 16 million servicemen and women. So if you think about it, your your act to win a Medal of Honor immortalized you, just like you immortalized the Greeks at Marathon or Thermopylae or uh, our soldiers during the Civil War. This immortalized those, those men forever. And so to me, having two Congressional Medal of Honor winners who are also Letterman at Baylor sets Baylor apart. And that allows us to be able to tell the story of these men, their heroism, what they gave for their country and how they led their men. That also sinks into Baylor's mission, which is it's not about educating, not just about educating, it's also about leadership and service and duty, and also to be willing to sacrifice your life. You have to, you have, to have faith, you know, faith in God, faith in your fellow man, faith in humanity. And so faith is a central element, in my view, of these men, and also it's a central element to Baylor's mission. And so to me, educating this generation and subsequent generations about the sacrifices that were made, the heroism of these men, you want that to translate as much as you can to this generation so that they understand those sacrifices, the heroism, but also so that they can walk away from it thinking about the central elements that Baylor tries to view on them, which is leadership, service, duty, and also, um, yeah, and faith. When, when uh, John Kane and Jack Loomis were walking Baylor's campus, they had those elements in them. I think we have a current generation of Baylor students that have those elements within them. While they may not be called to do something as harrowing as what Kane and Loomis uh, were called to do in their everyday lives, they can live these, these virtues out. And maybe this will make them think about the virtues that were um, embedded in Kane and Loomis. And, and again, to be inspired by them, but in today's world. We're hearing from Haig Sherman, the driving force behind the bronze statues that will be dedicated into the memory of and to help us all celebrate and honor the two Congressional Medal of Honor recipients that represent Baylor and now we're going to hear a little bit about the backstory of Colonel John Riley, Killer Kane, class of 28. And now we're going to hear a little bit of his story from growing up in Central Texas, attending Baylor, playing sports here as a Baylor Bear, and then serving our country. He was born in McGregor. He's the son of a preacher. He went to Baylor and played football and basketball, and he was on the fatal bus ride that gave rise to the 10 deaths that led to the Immortal 10 legacy at Baylor. So in addition to being a war hero, he also features in another prominent part of Baylor history, along with his father being a preacher. So he grew up in Texas, went to Baylor, played basketball and football, and then he enlisted in the Air Force. And so he was a career mil military man, unlike Loomis. And so he was already a mature squadron leader when he led his uh, iconic mission to bomb Ploesti, tail flying at low altitude over the Mediterranean across mountainous Greece and then into Romania, which is where Hitler's main refineries were that fueled the, the, the Nazis. So as they were flying at low altitude over the Mediterranean to evade 
Hitler's radar system once you got into Europe. And they got detached from the main group. The element of surprise had been lost because the main group had already bombed Ploesti. Instead of turning back, he forged on and fulfilled his mission, even though they'd already bombed Ploesti. Flames were shooting up in the sky up to his aircraft. You had any aircraft guns shooting at him. They'd already scrambled the fighters. And so he fulfilled his mission along with his men. So again, risking his life again, he circled Pluesti to allow the rest of the planes to fall in behind him to fly out. And he crash landed in Cyprus because he didn't have enough fuel to get back to North Africa. And for that, he won the Congressional Medal of Honor. So just an iconic story, an iconic man and one of great leadership, and his nickname was Killer Kane, and he didn't particularly like the nickname. He was named that by German intelligence because of his daring, but his men loved him. He was kind of a gruff guy, but his men loved him, and they'd follow him to the gates of hell, and indeed they did. I, I think the thing that resonated with me being from Central Texas is both these men are from Central Texas, so Jack Loomis, grew up on a farm in Ennis, Texas, which is about 75 miles northeast of Waco. And so if you look at Baylor during that era before, it drew kids from Central Texas. It wasn't this global institution that we see today. It really drew kids from Central Texas who are looking for an opportunity to better themselves. And so in, in Jack's case, he grew up on a farm in the middle of the Depression. So his family hit hard times, but he still managed to be a two, a two-sport star in, in his high school, and then he enrolled at Baylor and became a two-sport All-American, which is very rare. He was an All-American in for Baylor football team. He was also an All-American baseball player, and some say that he was a much better baseball player than he was football player. So when he graduated from Baylor, he played pro baseball for a time before he uh, began to play for the New York Giants. And so his career was only one season. But he played for the Giants in 1941. And so in one of their final games at the Polo Grounds, it was on December 7th. So they got word that the Japanese had bombed Pearl Harbor. And the bombing was going on as they were playing. So they were informed after the game. And so they finished out the seasons. Giants had a great season, and they played for the NFL championship. But then Jack immediately enlisted in the Marines because he felt called to service. And so if you look at his life, it was much shorter. He was ultimately uh, deployed to the Pacific. And so one of our great battles towards the end of the Pacific War against the Japanese was Iwo Jima, which was an important island southeast of the main island that was an important launching ground for a potential invasion of Japan and it was fiercely fortified by the Japanese and it's a volcanic island so very rough terrain and so Jack was one of the first waves ashore with his men and then he was at the base of Mount Suribachi so again this notion of service and leadership he was leading his men he was tasked with an almost impossible objective which is to take out fortified position at the base of Mount Suribachi. Rather than leading his men to do that, he launched a one-man attack against fortified Japanese positions at the base of the mountain. So 
he launched himself. He was hit by a grenade and wounded, but he forged forward and took out one Japanese pillbox and then a second before going back to his men. So think about this. This is the leader of the platoon and a very different person than, than John Kane, a quieter, perhaps a more laconic person, but a leader nonetheless. So he went back, got his men, and then led them, and they were behind him, and he was hit by another grenade before taking out the third Japanese pillbox. After he did that, he hit a landmine that blew off his legs. And so his men rallied around him, but instead of him asking for their help, he exhorted them forward. So they wanted to sit, or they wanted to fall back and help him, but he exhorted them forward. So with tears in their eyes, they forged forward to accomplish their mission. He was ultimately taken back to the Army Hospital at the, uh, at the base of Mount Suribachi. It shows you what type of person he was, just, uh, again, a, a very stoic but, but graceful human being. And as he lay dying, his last words were, were, well, Doc, it looks like the New York Giants lost a mighty fine end today. And those were his last words. The great thing about sports is there are different types of leaders. And I think you can definitely see in both of these men the different types of leaders that they were, which is number one, Kane is a very confident, you know, maybe not brusque, but confident. You can see where he might be uh, a more vocal part of the clubhouse in leading his men, whether it's playing football or basketball, or leading his men in war. And if you look at Loomis, he seems to be more the silent leader, lead by example. But both these are very powerful leadership styles, recognizes different styles of leadership, and both of them are very powerful, and that allowed them to lead their men, in, in their case, lead their men safely um, in battle. We just heard from Mr. Haig Sherman the stories of Colonel John Kane as well as First Lieutenant Andrew Jack Loomis. But we do, John, we want to take another moment to honor and thank Haig and Millette Sherman. They stepped forward with a leadership gift and then commissioned another Baylor graduate, Dan Brook, class of 83, to sculpt bronze statues in honor of our two Baylor Congressional Medal of Honor recipients that will stand at McLean Stadium Plaza and be unveiled here in the coming weeks. Again, you know, my, my hope is that this is a gathering spot where people, again, can time and time again read the story about the heroism of these men and their stories, which are very different. I mean, they're very different men and very striking, very different poses, both strong leaders, but lead, they led in different ways. The, the confidence of, of Cain, chest forward, addressing his men, and then a more laconic, graceful, tall um, Loomis who's striking the pose of David before he goes off into battle against Goliath. In, in Loomis's case, with his uh, rifle over his shoulder as he's looking towards um, the one-man assault that he'd ultimately launched. So, those resonate, and I think they'll resonate with people who look at them time and time again, who'll catch a different element of the statues as they look on them time and time again. So to me, a high traffic area, that was important, located where Baylor fans and also visitors alike can admire them. 
to me, it's, it's our Baylor family is the best of our Baylor family. It represents the best in us, what these men did. And so that's something as hosts, when people come into our family, to our stadium to visit, even though we're trying to win a football game, we can tell that story about the Baylor family and what these men did and, and their ideals. But it also binds us together with the rest, with, with our visitors, which is, this is not just Baylor history, this is American history. This is fundamental to our country. So this is the best way, in my opinion, to showcase the Baylor family, our ideals, to those who we are hosting, but more importantly, where they can walk away from our campus and feel good about the visit, the Baylor community, and also about our country. So those, to me, were the important facets to the genesis of this project.